Sounds righty. <laughs> All right, whenever you're ready. Oh, you want me to intro? Yeah, why not? Ah, oh, this doesn't. That's how you you haven't done it yet. For this. I know. That's true. Welcome back to the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast. This week is June 13th. This is your podcast coming on Tuesday, or sorry, Monday night. Um, we're coming to you before. It'll come out game Tuesday five, morning. Tuesday yeah. morning. So you'll have the results from game five, but we're recording before then. Um, as George and Nick would say, the uh, always weekly, never weekly podcast is here for you guys to listen to. This week, we had the NHL move into the finals. We have the NBA going into game five tonight. It'll be going to game six when you guys listen to this. We had a great race at Sonoma. Uh, we had the golf world, which is, seems to be the most exciting thing right now because you have the Live Tour and the PGA. And what's happening there, we'll talk about. Um, and then we have our top five at the end. So to get into it, our NBA review for the week, we have the Celtics at the Warriors Monday night, 9 p.m. Uh, the Warriors just tied it up to go two and two with the Celtics. George has Boston winning that in seven games. Nick has them in six. I have the Warriors in six. Do you boys still keep with the same numbers? Do you think it's changing? Um, Nick, what do you think about it? Yeah, um, I was thinking about this a little bit. I think I'm going to stick with it. Um, and I really only have one thing to add to what I've already said about this series. Um, it's pretty much been proven that Steph is going to have to beat the Celtics. Um, you know, obviously he has some help, but we've seen in the games that he plays very well when he plays like you expect Steph to play. Um, those are the games that they've won. So, like I said, really the only thing I have to add, if the Warriors are going to win, Steph is going to have to, you know, be dropping, I'd say, 35 plus, 30 plus at the minimum, um, you know, every night. Yeah, uh, I mean, to expand on your point, I'd push up that he has to be shooting damn near 40 points, if not more, uh, to keep them in. I mean, it's been well documented throughout the whole playoffs, but Draymond just sucks. Like, there's no other way for me to put that. He just his mom tweeted about it. Yeah, like he is he is absent on offense, and literally the only thing he's bringing to the table is his you know physicality and, and mental warfare against the other team. Which, granted, is is very much needed. But there has been plenty of times in the first four games that they have really needed him to step on step up on offense, and he just hasn't been able to do it. Clay Thomas or excuse me, Clay Thompson has not looked bad, but again, he's not looking like, like the old Clay Thompson. Um, you know, you think back to, I believe it was 2017 or 18 when they played the Raptors. Um, he was carrying that team basically the whole way through the playoffs and, you know, he gets hurt and that was ultimately their downfall. Durant was already hurt. I think Steph was already out. Um, and so ever since that injury, he's, he's still a, one of the best players in the NBA. Um, but he, if he would be so much better, I think Golden State sweeps this series. Um, it's just everything is on Curry right now. Even their bench has not been performing up to expectations. I mean, we talked about it coming into the series. Um, you know, it's, it's, it was going to come down to the benches, and we thought Golden State had a little bit better bench. Boston just had a better starting five uh, overall, and that bench just really has not lived up to those expectations. They've they've, they've they have definitely played great at times, um, but not to the point where I would say they had a better bench than Boston. Um, as far as my prediction, I'm sticking with Boston in seven. Uh, I mean, you see the two teams right now just trading blows back and forth. Um, 
they've both shown that they can win on the road. Uh, now they need to stop bitching and moaning a little bit, uh, like Golden State did after Game Three. Um, listen, you need to understand that those Boston fans—it's East Coast fans in general—do not give a shit about your feelings. They don't give a shit if kids are in the crowd. Um, they're not acting any different than they did in the regular season with with you know chanting at these players, saying all these things. Um, you need to get over it. If, if you don't like it, I mean, tough shit. They're not they're not going to change. They can't ban. 20,000 people from the arena to never come back. And in the second they do, the next 20,000 come in and they're going to do the same shit three times worse. So you just got to, you got to deal with it. It's, it's part of the game. You got Draymond, fuck with them. You're going to have the crowd fuck with you. Uh, get it together, move on and, and get over it. All right. So Nick, you said you're sticking with six. George, you said you're sticking with seven, both Boston as a uh, champion. Yep. I think that. The only way that Golden State loses this is if they lose tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Golden State has the perfect situation here. They have game five and game seven, if necessary, um, at home. I think that game seven at home, they've they've been there. They've they've gotten to play a game seven in their home court, new court for them in Chase Center, but same thing. I think that the only the only downfall is I think that if they go to game seven, I think they lose at home. Um, I think that if they win tonight and Steph has a crazy game, Draymond keeps his mouth shut. I mean, Draymond needs to be like the antagonizer and like get their team kind of like on their toes, kind of like making them pissed off and everything, mm-hmm. make them overshoot or undershoot baskets just to kind of make them. I mean, if he gets Jason Tatum to miss three baskets, I mean, that's 12 point or possibility of up to 12 points with fouls that, that he missed. Um, mm-hmm. And game six, I don't know the, the exact stat, but in the playoffs, Clay Thompson is damn near perfect in game sixes. Yeah. He goes off. He goes, I don't think that he scored less than 30 points in a game six in, yeah. his, in his playoff career. Um, he always has like six, seven, at least three-pointers. Um, it's ridiculous what game six brings out in him. So mm-hmm. I think that if Curry can overachieve tonight and get into the 40s like you had talked about, and that Draymond can kind of take a backseat when it comes to needing to be the uh, the like guy that's talked about for the game. Yeah. And I think the person that plays the biggest part in this whole ordeal is Jordan Poole. I think Jordan Poole needs to have a 20-point game. I mean, the dude averaged 20 points throughout the season. Mm-hmm. He needs to have a 20-point game to get this going. Um, I think if that happens, Golden State wins in six. I think that doesn't happen. I think that it's a 50-50 for Game 7. I mean, Golden State has Game 7, the experience, everything at home. But Boston, I mean, how much longer are they going to be able to keep this young core together? Are they going to be able to do what Golden State's been able to do and keep – I mean, the crazy part about these two teams is that these are built teams, not bought teams. Mm -hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see how their team looks after this year, Um, both teams be honest because i mean if golden state doesn't win they've already given contract extensions to everyone like they can't bring in anyone else so they're going to end up having to start offloading some of these contracts into other teams to be able to get more people in or or figure something else out i don't know but uh yeah i'm still sticking with golden state and six um the the last thing i just want to say about this real quick and, and going back to the crowd is i'll be interested to see how the warrior fans act tonight um now listen they have always been very loud in the playoffs 
Um, it, it's always been a tough environment come playoff time. But I'll be interested to see if they try to either mimic the Boston-like atmosphere and, you know, chant all these things or whatever. Um, that's just not – if that does happen, I feel like it's going to be very awkward and weird because this is not the crowd that you would expect that from. Um, and so I, they're not used to doing that. It's a bunch of rich, you know, uppity assholes in California who just like to watch basketball. Um, so that'll be something interesting to watch. Be like, oh, look, if Boston fans can do it, we can do it. And it's like, no, you're going to sound stupid, and it's going to be hilarious. But um, just I, I think it'll be fun, fun and interesting to see if that happens. For sure. Um, moving on to our NHL review, we have the Lightning send home the Rangers. I was very un- upset. I mean, we all picked the Rangers, I believe, in that series. Um, I, I did it out of spite. I will say that. That's the only reason I picked the Rangers, oh, is I did it out of spite. I don't care. I, I, will, I will take the fucking L on that. But fuck the Rangers. Fuck their fans. I understand. Also, the fan who just decided it was okay to punch somebody walking out of game five. The soccer punch is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it is, and, and listen, obviously it was a New York fan. But the thing is, is like, I, I never understood why there, there's two fans that I hate. It's the fans who get so upset that they feel they need to punch somebody, especially if you're getting heckled. Um, and the second is the people who feel the need to make death threats towards players who like blew the game or whatever. Two two types of fans I will never understand and, and support. But yeah, just fuck the Rangers, fuck their fans. I'm glad that they're out of the playoffs at this point. Unfortunately, I think the gambling and and how accessible it is now has brought out that a lot more yeah. for people because it's Absolutely. affecting their livelihood. Like they've overbet on the team, their team loses, and they're blaming that one person. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I like, absolutely that's, agree. That's the problem. Like, uh, but like you said, the Lightning beat the Rangers game seven. Um, game seven, right? Yeah. Six. Uh, and, six. Uh, was oh, six. six. Sorry. And uh, the Avalanche keeping the movement going. Uh, the Avalanche are going to be at home for the Stanley Cup Finals on Wednesday for game one. Mm-hmm. What are your guys' picks? I'm going to go to Nick first. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to touch on one thing um, with the Lightning Rangers series. Uh, end of that game, I believe the last two minutes, maybe slightly longer, um, but not very long at all. Uh, you know, they were trying to get something going. They had the empty net, um, and Zibanejad had two, for being playoff hockey, I'll call them great one-timer chances. The first one was probably his best one, and he sent it about a foot over the net. Um, so, you know, I, that's going to eat at him for sure. Uh, you know, he's he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. Um, and those are the chances, especially when you're talking playoff hockey in an elimination game, you got to make those. Uh, the second one was on target, just a, you know, a great stop. Um, and I also wanted to mention in elimination games, I, I don't pronounce his name correctly. I'm not even going to attempt it. Vasilevsky. Um, yes, thank you. Um, he has, I believe it was six shutouts. Um, so, I mean, I guess you could count a moral win and you scored against him in a, in a you know, elimination game. But nonetheless, uh, you know, Rangers going to be a little upset. Tampa Bay looking good, though. This is going to be a great series. Um, I'm calling Colorado in seven. Honestly, I feel like you could flip a coin on this. I think that Colorado is the better team. Um, but I, it, Tampa Bay obviously just wants it. Um, I feel like every series that they've gone through so far, they've just – they've one up themselves. They've reached another level every single series. 
Um, so this is going to be insane. Uh, I doubt with my work schedule, I'll be able to watch a whole lot of it. Um, but I'm a, if it is on and I'm awake, it will be on one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. So like you said, Colorado, they don't repair. Um, and then Tampa Bay looking for a three-peat. George, what are your thoughts on the series? Um, do you have any more about the Lightning Rangers or the Oilers Avalanche? And then your pick for the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, just the last thing on the Rangers. Listen, um, like I said, I hate them. I hate their fans. But at the end of the day, they need to be very, very happy with how far they got. I mean, this is a, a team that nobody thought was going to make the playoffs at the start of the year. They were still in the rebuild. They, they signed a lot of these, you know, big-name players, and they had the team there. But, you know, they had, they had a lot of struggles last year, and nobody expected them to even make the playoffs. Um, or if they did, you know, they'd be like a wild card or something like that. Uh, they end up the two seed in the Metro division. Um, I feel like at that point, a lot of people had them to win the first round, but they're like, look, look how stacked the Eastern Conference is, and the playoffs are not making it that far. So at the end of the day, they need to sit down and look and be like, listen, we probably overachieved a little bit, but hey, we know what we have here, and I think that that, that is definitely going to be a team going forward that is going to be uh, you know, very hard to beat. Uh, with Zvenejad, Panarin, you have it, at least at this point what looks to be an all-time great goaltender. Uh, listen, it's, it's a two-year sample size. We, we don't want to get carried away. Uh, and he had a very, very big standout year this year. We'll have to see. Um, but as, as a fan base, as a team, you got to understand that you are set up in, in position to have years and years of success if, if you can keep it together. Um, on to this series, I'm going to take Tampa in seven. And it's not a dig on Colorado. I think Colorado is, like you said, Nick, probably the better team on paper. And, you know, they have a, lot, a great team. My biggest concern with them is goaltending. Um, we saw it a lot, especially when uh, Kemper went out. I don't know if he'll be back or not. Or, and, you know, what his capacity will be if he's going to be 100%. Um, but that's a concern when you lose your, your best goaltender. And even then, he's not as good as Vasilevsky. Um, Tampa, like you said, has proved throughout the playoffs that they want it more. And I, I think everybody's been ragging on them that, oh, the last two years were flukes. Uh, you know, 2020, it was a COVID year, and it was just a bunch of you know, bullshit that happened. That, that championship doesn't count. Last year, it was kind of the same thing. You know, you played a scrub Montreal team in the finals. That shouldn't have counted. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I, I will state that, you know, especially last year more than any year, probably a little bit of a bullshit championship, but regardless, they had to get through everybody else to get there first. Um, and I feel like they've kind of understood that chip on their shoulder, especially towards the end of the regular season. They really started to struggle. Everybody's like, this isn't the team to do it. Um, they have gone out time and time again, proved they are the team to do it. Um, I don't want them to repeat, honestly. Uh, but at, at the same time, it, if they go out there and earn it, I, you can't take that from them. Um, like I said, Vasilevsky is probably the best goaltender in the NHL right now. Uh, Steven Samkos, one of the best captains in the league. Um, they have Nikita Kucherov, who just an anytime goal scorer. He can go out there and, and get you a goal anytime you need. Um, but this is going to be a great back-and-forth series. You're going to have games that either have 10 goals in them or games that have two goals in them. And, and it's going to come down to who can win more of those games. I just have Tampa Bay winning. Um mainly because of the experience. Like I said, it really hurts Colorado that their goaltending isn't up to par. Um, and, you know, they've been on rest. We just saw Tampa Bay come off of a sweep. They rested for a couple of days. 
and then they had to get right back into the series. They were rusty the first two games. Uh, and then as soon as they knocked that rust off, you, you saw what kind of team they were. Uh, and they have the most momentum. So, yeah, I'm going to take Tampa Bay in seven. Yeah, I, I think like you guys had said, it's both teams have their positives. It's uh, definitely as close to a coin flip as it can be. Um, I think that Colorado has shown that they've been the best team when it comes to – I mean, they've only lost two games in the postseason. Um, but I think that the Lightning, after going two years winning, they have a chance to repeat. The hard part about that is that while other teams have had opportunities for their guys to get surgeries, to get different things, I mean, surgery doesn't mean that they needed it at that time. Like, some of these guys, like, they might have made it deep into the playoffs last year. Um, whoever played Tampa Bay last year. Um, Montreal. Like, uh, they, one of those guys, they might have been like, ah, I'm not going to be able to have that surgery this season. So then they wait till this offseason. Montreal again makes midway through the uh, – the playoffs, so like th there might be some guys on Tampa Bay's team that have needed a surgery for the past two years, but they haven't taken it because they don't have the time. Mm -hmm. I think that there there's going to be a lot of wear and tear. Three years in a row of making the finals is just, I mean, excessive, mm -hmm. um, especially with the amount of games that they play. Um, I think that I'm taking Colorado in six just because they're at home. I think that they get out to an early lead. I mean, they've blown out their opponent other than the Oilers, who they let score six goals. I mean, they could have easily 8-0'd or 8-1 um, them in the first game, but like you had said, they have the vulnerability at uh, goalie. But I'm taking them as six mainly because I think that they're just going to be too hard to stop. I think mm -hmm. even if Tampa is able to have their good goalie working and um, score a couple goals, that they only get one or two games. So that's where I'm sitting at. And uh, for everybody listening at home, Slate is new to hockey. He doesn't understand that Montreal was eliminated from playoff contention before the All-Star break. Um, so we, we for, yeah, we forgive him for that. It's okay. Wait, He's still who learning. was the Leafs? That's Toronto. Toronto. Oh, fuck. Okay. So, okay. yeah, there's right, – right. we're, we're going right, to take so one Montreal, episode here soon. and Montreal, just... Montreal yeah. could have had all the surgeries they needed. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to we take – We got the point. We got yeah, the point. It's we're we're going to take one episode here soon. And just explain to Slade for an hour what hockey is and, and the teams. And yeah, stuff. he never got the explanation. Necessary. Yeah, I, I need to pick this. a team. Yeah. We got all these things to do. Yeah, clearly he never um, listened to the Hosier show when we had it. Yeah. But it's okay. I listened to, listen to the it's show. the fucking Hosier show, boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> he knew the intro. That's what matters. Yep. That was the best part. Do you of the guys show, do you guys have any more on hockey? Um, are you ready to move into golf? Uh, I'm ready to talk about golf. We got a lot to talk about with golf. All right. So I'm just going to go down through this, and then we'll go to each of you and your thoughts. First up is Roy had a massive weekend. Um, he wasn't one of the front runners going into Sunday. Um, he ended up shooting eight under par, winning the tournament, the Canadian Open. Mm -hmm. um, at the end, he was interviewed. He basically slammed his nuts on the uh, table by referring that he just secured his 21st uh, major or tournament win. Um, one more than that, uh, than someone else, um, referring to Greg Norman. Yep. And uh, who is the CEO of Live Golf, I believe. Um, he's, yeah, he's a big head over there. I can't remember his yeah. exact title. But I think yeah. he's like the head, like spokesperson, basically. Yeah. Like gave him like CEO or something like that. 
Anyway, he had a, a massive tournament. Um, we were all texting about how, I mean, Justin Rose had a massive Sunday. Um, Two inches away from 59. Yeah, just mm. – Which would so have been much, the course yeah. record, I believe. Well, the, well, the thing is, too, is he had three bogeys. If right. he shoots yeah. par, he, yeah. fuck 59. He's at 57, 56. Yeah. So right. that's, that was the craziest part. Just, just a crazy weekend, and it couldn't, have, it couldn't have happened at a better time because yeah. – this was the first weekend that they're pairing up against the live tour. Um, I think that I, I saw someone that made a comment and said, we got to get the live uh, golf league on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because you can just do golf all week instead of having to do oh, side by yeah. side screens. Yeah. Um, I'd be about it. I'm here for it. Right. And so on the live side, um, it's crazy. We saw 48th place guy um, who shot plus 24 for the weekend. Secure $120,000 for last place. Could this be a problem for the PGA? Also, Charles Schwartzel, who was the winner of the tournament in London, uh, he got $4 million, a little over $4.25 million at the tournament. Uh, just ridiculous payouts there. So, George, what are your thoughts on this weekend? Um, your thoughts on different comments like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, just, just everything that happened golf-wise this weekend. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we got enough time, but I'll, I'll keep it as brief as I can. Bullet points. Um, listen, at the end of the day, I, I feel like no, no matter what group or, or country or whatever would end up being behind a, another sponsored golf league, the PGA wouldn't be happy with it. I, I feel like it's just more stress. They have more attack points to go after it because it's Saudi-backed and the Saudi government has a, a laundry list of issues. and. Listen, they're they very right in their points to be upset about that and go after that. At some point, you got to just shut up, okay? Like, we, we understand you hate it. You don't want people going there. Okay, you don't need to, to make a press release every day and have a 30-minute interview after the, after the Canadian Open talking about, it, you know, all, all your issues you have with it and the people going there, all this other stuff. But at some point, you got to understand people are going to leave. They're going to go over there. You got to focus on your own tour. Because if you spend enough time worrying about what, what's going on over there, you're, you're going to ruin your own product. Um, in regards to the PGA, this is the best weekend they, they could have possibly asked for with everything going on. Um, you had arguably two of the most loved faces in, in the PGA Tour battling it out on Sunday. Tony Finau, who you know, I'm not a fan of, but you know he, he is you know, a, a young guy who has come up through the ranks and has gained a lot of fans. And, you know, is a very respectful golfer. And you had the three of them battling out on Sunday. At no point, even walking up 18, did you think, oh, Rory's got this in the bag. He's out of it. He was six shots up and Johnson, or excuse me, Dustin, or Justin Thomas uh, drained five birdies in a row. And he only made up one shot, which was crazy to me. Uh, then, you know, Rory starts slipping a little bit on the back nine. Thomas ties it going to 17. Um, and even Finau was two shots off. So at no point did you want to turn that TV off. Um, and so, I mean, overall, it was the best weekend they could have asked for. It was a great tournament. Super happy for Rory. Uh, and it was great for him to win because, like I said, he's been talking not necessarily the most shit um, in regards to the golfers that left. It's just the, the, the company or the, the, the product that Liv is offering. Uh, so he goes out there and he puts his money where his mouth is, and he wins the RBC with a stacked field. The first time they're back in Canada, I think in three years now, that the crowd there was awesome. 
uh, 16th hole where they had the hockey boards, you know, around the whole hole and the fans are sitting there slapping them the whole time. That was awesome to see. Um, I compared it to the waste management open back in, uh, you know, February. Oh yeah. Um, th- it was a lot of fun. Um, now as far as both tournaments going or both series going forward, um, from the PGA's perspective, you have to hate live golf. I understand that, but you also need to look at it and be like, Hey, there's a couple things that they're doing that we could use to improve our game. Maybe have a tough, a couple tournaments throughout the year that are three, three day tournaments. We, we don't need, you know, every single weekend, week out tournament to be four days, have a three days, either a smaller field or just cuts after the first day, whatever it may be going forward. Um, and I don't hate the guys that left the PGA. I mean, I do lose a little respect for them, especially more than anything, Phil Mickelson, just because of the, the, the comments he was making, all that stuff, whatever. Um, but they're going there because, one, they get more money, and two, like uh, Dustin Johnson came out and said, he gets a lot more weeks off now. At the same time, I kind of feel weird about that because nobody is – other than, like, maybe sponsors when they, they're sponsoring an event, you don't have to go play in a tournament. Uh, you know, obviously, if you want to make money, you need to. But at the same time, I feel like the PGA could raise their purses a, a decent amount I would not pay the last place guy $120,000. I feel like that's a little, little fucking ridiculous. Um, but, you know, that, that's them. Um, on the live golf side, you need to get bigger names in there. Um, I was saying about this last week, all the guys they've signed are either guys who are washed up or not really they were that good to begin with. Um, Dustin Johnson has two major wins in his career. And ever since that Masters win, his – Career has kind of been on a downward trajectory. Mickelson had one big surprise win at the PGA last year. Other than that, he's struggling to make cuts. Um, the only player they really signed that I was sad to see go and that I think has a lot of potential was Taylor Gooch. Um, I'm a big fan of him, and I, I really hope he, he is successful with his career. But at the same time, he hasn't made that much money on the PGA Tour. Live Golf comes out, offers him X amount of dollars. You know, I, I don't hate the guys for taking the money. Obviously, if somebody offered me $125 million, it'd be very hard for me to turn that down. So I, I don't hate on them. I just wish the, the backing government was a little bit better and maybe a company rather than a government itself. Um, but we'll have to see going down the road if any relationships are repaired uh, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, overall, Live Golf has a lot to do to do to gain fans. I mean, we saw barely anybody was there. They need a TV deal more than anything. Um, oh my God, Nick, I thought that was my cat behind. I thought you were me for a sec. <laughs> I just saw a cat. I was like, wait a minute. That's not behind me anyway. Um, but uh, they need a TV deal. Not everybody has YouTube streaming or, or whatever, and is going to be able to watch it. Uh, so they have a lot of kinks to work out to become a viable option. Uh, and, and we'll see where that goes. Um, overall, it was a great tournament for the RBC. Um, now a lot of these live golf guys are coming over to do the U S open. It's been very interesting reading the interactions between players on Twitter uh, that the media's observed. Um, it'll be interesting to see if these guys go head to head with the PGA guys and, and how that goes. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Nick, what are your thoughts on this past weekend's golf action, both leagues, um, Roy's comments, Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, everything. Yeah, so as far as the, the beef here between the leagues, I don't have a whole lot to say. Um, my biggest thing is, like, you know, 
obviously there's more money with live um less weekends you know that you have to work so to speak um but at the same time you know golf to me like when i think of golf and i understand that it's you know starting to change a little bit and um things are getting a little different but when i think of golf like i think of prestige like especially the good golfers you know the great golfers i should say um you know they're kind of up on that higher pedestal and sort of like we talked about john rom and in mexico yeah you know you're getting paid extra money and yeah you might have some less weekends off but you're going out there and competing against a a lesser pool of talent overall um at, at least as it sits right now um there's a, obviously a couple you know good golfers uh, D- dustin johnson for example is the first person that comes to mind um even schwartzel but it's not the same competitive like loaded field like when you looked at the top 10 on Sunday uh, in Canada, there were some names up there that was like, holy shit. And, you know, you could have been sitting like um, I think it was Rose actually um, shortly before he finished. Um, and they were like, yeah, you know, he's in the top 10 now. Oh, no, because he was up higher. It might have been somebody else. But either way, they're like, oh, he's in the top 10 now. But there's a lot of names in between him and Rory. You know, is he really in that much contention? And, you know, just to me, that's the biggest thing that sticks out with that, like, yeah, you're competing, you're making more money, all that stuff. But um, it, it, as as the competitor in me, I'd rather be going out there making less money um, and competing against, you know, the betters of the world than I would, you know, obviously if the decision was mine to be made, like it's kind of hard to say this, but nonetheless, like morally, I'd rather be facing the best of the best than, you know, going out and maybe only playing two or three of the best of the best. So you know, again, we talked about this before the show. I understand both sides, so I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Um, as far as the tournament that went on, uh, I had it on just about every second that I could. I didn't watch a whole lot Thursday and Friday um, other than after I got off work. But Saturday and Sunday, especially Sunday, I mean, my God. Uh, you know, you guys kind of – or George kind of touched on, like, the competition of the whole thing. You know, walking up to 18, didn't know who was going to win at that point for sure. Um, but the whole day and all throughout the leaderboard, it was – an absolute exhibition on how you're supposed to play golf like i was watching uh i forget what hole it was um but the the whole placement was roughly about like six six yards maybe a little less than that um in front of a ridge and people were just hitting that ridge all day with the backspin letting it roll back to the hole i mean it like as someone who can barely get their irons off the ground like (laughs) I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. And continuously – and then you got to the final pairing and – or, sorry, the final trio. And though they were starting to, you know, miss some shots, obviously the fatigue of playing four days, um, especially at that kind of level, you could tell was getting to them. Um, And that's not an easy course to play with, especially those back couple holes anyway. But they were still like – Rory – actually, I believe all three of them had it in the one hole – uh in the back half of the back nine had ended up um, either in the rough or you know at least they weren't on the fairway Uh and they hit their second shots the next thing you know they're all in contention you know for par birdie and it's like oh my god it so that was as someone who's still relatively new to golf that was exciting as hell um and as a justin thomas fan like i was on the edge of my seat especially like george said rory started slipping there towards the end i was like here goes JT on another climb on Sunday. Um, but just fun. Uh, fun doesn't even cover it. But it was 
great golf to watch. And, you know, coming up next weekend, we have a pretty relatively similar, uh, you know, course as far as the way it plays. Um, it, you know, from what I've heard, a little more challenging, but nonetheless, similar play, at least. So should be a good preview for what we have to come. And um, I'm excited. Let's keep it going. Just the, the last thing I want to say about this past weekend with RBC. Um, watching JT and Rory walk down fairways, like jabbing each other, like oh, Rory's yeah. like, oh, you can fit a Walmart in between our two. Like that shit was hilarious. I love that. And then like yeah. both of them, one would hit a good shot. The other one looks over like, hey, thumbs up, like good job. Like watching the the, the mind games, but the, the, the jesting and then just how much fun those two had together. That was probably the best part of the weekend. Uh, and I, I loved and it. I wouldn't consider uh, Finau necessarily one of the best putters on the tour usually. Um, but he had a really good weekend doing yeah. it. And watching that final pairing, it was like Rory, arguably best driver on mm-hmm. the tour. JT, arguably best, you know, iron and wedge player on the tour. And then Finau's coming in, not as much on Sunday, but especially earlier in the weekend. Yeah. Um, just hitting, he couldn't miss his putts. Um, yeah. So it was really a complete, you know, golf. Hey, here's how you, how to do it, even though we all know it ain't that simple. <laughs> yeah. But you t- you talked to us, like, what do you think about the weekend and the tours yeah. and all that stuff? So, first off, I think that Tony Finau will have a hard time, like, outperforming being known by the guy that uh, got a hole-in-one and then dislocated his fucking ankle during practice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the craziest thing is, is he ended up playing in that tournament. But, um, yeah, I think that he'll have a hard time outperforming that. Uh, I think that first to start with the live tournament, I think it was awkward as hell to watch Greg Norman walk onto the tee box and shake hands with uh, Phil Mickelson and then do like kind of like a half hug, like pat on the back with Dustin Johnson. It almost as if it was like the first time that these three had like met each other. Yeah. Um, it was just awkward. I think it's stupid that if I like just random like i'm waiting to see like how high of a score wins 120k in this live tour yeah like if the first one was plus 24 like what the fuck yeah, um, if, if i plus 40, so i was gonna say my name out there like dude yeah. I, like if i'm one of those guys i'm like i i no screwed. signed contract just let me yeah. fucking enter the tournament yeah <laughs> yeah uh, 120,000 will solve a lot of my problems not uh, all of them but a lot <laughs> a lot though yeah, so that to begin with is ridiculous. Um, Charles Schwartzel, I think that I read that he had a career earnings before signing with Liv of $20 million. Um, he made $4.25 million winning this tournament. That's uh, 20% of his career earnings, which is just ridiculous to see that he has six more tournaments with this incredible payout mm-hmm. because it's seven, right, that they've like guaranteed for this year, I think. Um, Eight. Is it eight? Okay. Yeah, there's eight um, tournaments. So he's got seven more tournaments of at least 120K taking last fucking place. Um, but yeah, I think it's just ridiculous to see the money. Um, I don't know what he signed for to play there, but I know the guy that made 120K this past weekend signed for $6 million. So he had to have signed for way more. Um, when it comes to the Saudi thing and the morality, like you guys have talked about, um, I think the unfortunate part of this is that the this is the only backing 
that has the stupidity of money to compete with PGA. Yeah. Like, if there's ever going to be someone that can get to um, going against the PGA, like, on a weekly basis without the sponsors, without the TV time, it, it would have to be the gas money in Saudi Arabia. Um, I mean, they asked the dude that's, like, one of the CFOs or something like that of the league. His, he's the CEO of Saudi Aramco, whatever the fucking oil company is. But they asked him, like, how far away is his gimme putt when he plays with any of these guys? Since he's like the fucking head of the head benefactor of the of this league. And they're like, is it over or under six feet? And he's like, no comment. <laughs> the whole um, green. Just yeah, it yeah, green yeah. As long as you're not in the water, you're good. Um yeah. on one. But yeah, I think Rory had an amazing weekend. I mean, I think that we talked shit on him in our league picks. Uh yeah, I think he Waited till the second. I believe you talked shit in your le- in the league picks. I, I did, but I scared both you from picking him in the first round. The only reason I didn't, I wasn't. Yeah, I was gonna say he was there. I didn't. Scotty Scheffler was there. I wasn't skipping Scotty Scheffler. Yeah. So. Right, right, right. I didn't realize that you took him second. I thought that you did no. with a snake draft. I thought that you took him as your third pick. No, but uh, um, I was sitting there like you guys like kept not picking him. I was like. Oh shit! I get to take Rory too. Fuck yeah. it. This, the second he was round this it was week's him and Cam Smith, and I was like, hmm. yeah, yeah. When has Cam Smith not done me wrong? And then you benched him out there the first day, and then well, he comes back and finishes the top, first day. top twenty. Yeah, yeah. but because I listen to George, Rory's minus eight on the final day, along with just or uh, yeah, Justin Rose, just ridiculous. I mean, um, like I said before, just it couldn't have happened at a better weekend. I mean, the only thing that could have made this better is Tiger playing the tournament. It would have completely overshadowed any of the money with the Live Tour had they had just that added measure to this part. Um, just ridiculous. I think that it, it's going to be hard for Live to compete. I mean, even with only having the eight main events in total, it's, it's just going to be hard, even with all the money. I think that their contracts are also after this year. They're going to stay the same for next year. And like during next year when they're signing people, they're going to get lower because they're not quite sure that they're going to keep the league going. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I had said at the beginning that three years is the time frame that they're going to know whether this league is going to work or not. Yeah. Uh, um, just the, the last thing I want to add to, like I said, I think the PGA Tour can learn a few things. Like I said, A, pay them a little bit more money. Hey, maybe three-day tournaments will work, especially here and there. Um, but there was another tournament this weekend. It was on the DP World Tour, um, and it was a mixed tournament. So they had girls and guys. Um, I don't, I, I don't know if it was the LPGA or just European Women's, whatever. Just any woman could go enter this this event. Um, the lady's name was lynn grant and she whooped the field's ass by eight strokes um so that one that was badass to see like she could not especially on sunday she would not miss from the female tees right no i believe they all played from the same tees really yeah i swear i swear to god i'm pretty sure they all check into that i might that's a that's a that's a massive feat if she played from the same tees regardless i think it'd be cool as shit to see the pga and the LPGA, like, do an event like that. Like, maybe take the Zurich Classic rather than have it be, like, a weird team event. 
and make it a, mi- a mixed event and, and a four day tournament and say, Hey, just go out there and, and, and prove, not necessarily that they have to prove anything, but just, Hey, like go out there and, and Hey, who, who's better. Who's the best go out there in the world. Prove your pay difference. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that'd be really cool to see like a, a, a PGA tournament versus LPGA, like kind of thing, either do it like um, do it teams like girls versus guys or just straight up singles mixed tournament. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun to see. Seeing how well it worked at that tournament, the Scandinavian uh, Mixed Masters or whatever they call it, um, that, that was really cool to see. And the, just the fact that she whooped her ass by eight strokes was awesome to me. And, and it, she, like I said, she couldn't miss. She was, I, I was, I was out playing golf Sunday morning, uh, and we looked over, and I think she was on like thirteen or something, and she made a ridiculous putt um, for a birdie. She was like thirty feet out, and it was like down a slope and everything, and she just hit it. And as soon as she hit it, she started walking behind it and walked into the hole. And I was like, I'm sorry. The fuck? Um, walking at 30 footer. Yeah. But the, that was that was so cool to see. Um, like I said, I think that'd be cool to, for the PGA to try out with the LPGA. I think it would be cool for them to try out. The only way that they don't get it to be a one-off is is if it's an incredible tournament like this past one that you're that you're referring to. I think that it's kind of hard because when it comes to the women – they don't have the social following that the guys on the PGA Tour have right now. I mean, for me personally, the only person that I know that plays on the LPGA is uh, Michelle Way, and that's only because she's sponsored by Nike and she's married to NBA legend uh, Jerry West's son. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that that would be cool, but aside from it being a one-off, I think they need to have it be a spectacular tournament like this past weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, could you, could you imagine, like, the final groupings walking down 18 and like some say Lynn Grant is just whooping Justin Thomas's ass by like four strokes rolls in they're going but what they wouldn't the be able to play from the same tees yeah, I know I'm PGA pretty sure players. they did no I'm pretty sure they no, did. no 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 I'm saying if they did with this in the PGA and well, the, the, the DP rule tour is just like I mean it's either like the like it's, Still, it's professional Rory's, golfers Rory's bombing it 340 yards no yeah. fucking girl is hitting it 300 yards I'm, I'm not I'm saying, saying I'm not saying they would hit 340, but obviously they're doing good enough that they're able to able to keep. But pace. the LV LPG, they're playing from the women's tees. They're not like in their own league. I'm saying. So I'm saying if they I, all of a sudden have to move back 70 yards, I, I still want to see it. I don't. I don't. I don't. I no, no, I agree. It. I agree. I'm just saying that for the PGA and the LPGA, for it to be a fucking misogynist tournament, for it to be competitive. <laughs> no, I mean. If they want to play their tournament, the Black Tees, then they should do that every week. Oh, yeah. I get what he's saying. No, right. I, I, yeah. But, but yeah, no. Nick, what do you think about the mixed tournament? Hey, I mean, like, I will be honest. So, um, I watch the tournaments mainly on Fubo. Um, and they there's this weird, like, transition period. Um, at least there was this weekend. I haven't noticed it in weekends prior, but... Um, I believe it's on CBS Golf, and then it switches to whatever the the late one is, um, and it would shut off like, so say like the one o'clock or the three o'clock time, it would shut off like two fifty, and then wouldn't show up on whatever the later one was until like three o five. So I ended up watching. I forget what it was. It was like the Cider Cup or something like that, or Crider Cup. Um, mm-hmm. It was a women's like two v two scramble, and I th- like. I mean, I, I don't think I happen to witness any of their drives now that I think about it, but um, like their irons, I've seen a little bit of in the putting, like I'd be willing to watch a weekend where the guys are going against the girls um, or, you know, mixed, whatever, whatever the situation may be um, just because 
like I have weirdly enough watched a little bit of female golf other than this weekend and like they do put on a hell of a show like um you know I'll be one I think George and I might have talked about it like you know there's there's a big difference between men's sports and women's sports um you know it that's why like they the pay difference for example since you brought it up they don't bring in the same fans um you know for whatever reason that may be whether it's less exciting whether it's this whether it's that whatever um but as someone who's tried to open themselves up more the women's sports lately um you know i i've definitely found that there is you know it's still exciting mm-hmm. um you know you might like women's basketball for example you might not have people jumping from 20 foot away from the rim grabbing an alley-oop and throwing it down mm-hmm. um but nonetheless like there are still aspects of it that are exciting so again you know i'd be completely open and just like whatever the hell georgia said her name was I'm sure there would be women out there that, um, you know, I don't know about necessarily Rory or Justin Thomas or somebody like that, but, you know, would probably put some of these PGA players um, to shame. So, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, Just real quick, I looked it up. um, So I was wrong. They did use different tee boxes, but um, depending on the whole length, they're only 30 to 50 yards in difference. So, I mean, it's not like, like, I mean, it's still obviously. That's their drive difference. I was going to say, yeah, that's, there's the a difference. Irons. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That, and, and that's what they said. I looked at it. It said that the goal of it is to create equitable or e- equal approach shots. So, like, right, right, right. Um, but still, I mean, regardless, I would still. Yeah. So I feel like that's correct in that, like, it would be hard for the tour average PGA and the tour average for the women's league of the LPGA mm-hmm. to um, tee off from the same tees and it be fair. Not because right. I don't think girls could tee off at that it's just like um from a strength power perspective uh there's differences mm-hmm. yeah i mean in absolutely. all sports yeah. so and in golf i mean if rory who's an exception can drive it 340 yards on a, a specific hole mm-hmm. and the number one lbg or yeah LPGA player can drive it like three. He's over here thinking about Pride Month. He's like the the, yeah. L, the top LGBTQ plus player over here. Well, they're not excluded <laughs> either, just to make that clear. But right. yeah, uh, we're not excluding anyone. But anyway, yeah. uh, if, and, if the difference yeah. is if the difference is forty yards for the top players, mm-hmm. let I mean it's it's just going to continue on for as you go down in um, the competition. So yeah. it's nice if it's nice that they play from the different tees for a fairness standpoint. Um, do you guys have any more on golf, or do you want to yeah. move into NASCAR? No, we can talk about NASCAR. Just the last thing I want to say is just I, I still think regardless, it'd be cool to have them do an event. And and just real quick, like you said, like you know, the females aren't as popular. I think it'd be a great opportunity to get them more coverage and not only just expose everybody to like hey listen the lpga is really really good you need to go watch them but like think about like all the dads that sit there and watch golf all day on, on weekends they probably have daughters like half of them have to have a daughter that's probably sitting there like that can we watch like my little ponies or something and be like hey listen look watch this event like you know there's like we can go out and start golfing the other stuff like that i think that'd be cool to see and, and just overall i i think it'd be I, just overall, a, a good event to to try and, and work out. It was really cool to see it work as well as it did for the DP World Tour. I think it's at least something to consider, if not try out for the for the PGA. The only comment I have on that, though, is that I think anyone that's actually going to get into golf, like daughter, son, whatever, um, 
I don't think they're able to watch either league live because their tournaments and and, <laughs> and matches and stuff are going on at the same time, like the weekend yeah. play. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, moving into NASCAR, this past weekend they were in Sonoma, first time in a couple years. Um, no, they've been there. No, th- this year they switched the layout, so they used to have the carousel turn, and uh, this year they went back to the normal NASCAR layout. Um, so they were there. It was a roller coaster of events. I mean, Kyle Larson was on rails for the beginning of the race. Then it turned into um, Chris Buescher. And, and then at the end, it ended up being Daniel Suarez who walked away with the win. I mean, I think he led like the last 25 laps or something like that. Along with some laps early in the race, he ended up being the race high leader. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on Daniel Suarez's win, his amigos dance in California, and everything NASCAR this weekend? Uh, I think overall, not just in NASCAR, it was a, a great weekend in motorsports. Um, not talked about enough. We had the 24-hour Le Mans. One of the the hardest races, you know, in the world, um, and that was going on this weekend. A lot of drama over there as well. Uh, Corvette got taken out with like twenty minutes left in the race, which pissed me off. Um, but uh, as as far as NASCAR goes, Daniel Suarez deserved this victory, you know, without a shadow of doubt. He's come so close so many times. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find a non racist person that hates Daniel Suarez. Um, he, he's just a very likable guy. Uh, you know, especially amongst his competitors, I think the only person in the field that doesn't like him is Mike McDowell. And even then, I don't think I, I think they squashed their beef. I don't think they hate each other as much anymore. Um, but it was so cool to see him finally get his first victory. You know, he was an Xfinity Series champion. I feel like Gibbs gave up on him way too early, which I kind of understand that you have all you have all these guys in the pipeline that are winners. You know, you got to get somebody in the car that will win. I, I don't think Stuart Haas put enough around him to even attempt to win. Even then, he still wasn't finishing terrible. Uh, and then they, they he goes on. I think it was like Go Fast Racing or something he did for a year. And nobody ever expected anything to come out of that. Uh, and to, so after his teammate had already won twice this year, and he has come close so many times, uh, to see him finally get his win was really special. I texted you guys. like I started tearing up. Like he was doing his interviews and stuff, and like all the, all the fans were there. And that, that was just so cool to see. Um, but I, I hope this is the start of many wins for him in the future. And I was don't look now, but Trackhouse has become one of the the top teams in NASCAR in just two years. Um, I think they're going to start maybe not this year, but you know who knew two three years from now they can be threatening, competing very high level uh, for championships and so on. Um, but yeah, just overall, just a, a terrific weekend in racing. Uh, very happy for Daniel. Uh, the Road America race in IndyCar was great. Um, I mean, I missed half of it because I was driving home, but. Um, watching the highlights, and uh, I actually went back and watched the full race on YouTube last night. That was a great race, um, and it always is at Road America. And like I said, the 24-hour Le Mans, you had the, the F1 race, which was a classic fucking Ferrari. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need to find a new team because I can't deal with the team that lets me down every weekend like all my other sports teams. So, um, <laughs> Got to next... somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, what no, were your th- – oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it was just a great weekend. I, I no complaints. It was. Nick, what were your thoughts this past weekend? I'll broaden the topic because George made it very known that there was more than just NASCAR this weekend. Um, what were your thoughts on motorsports this weekend? Daniel Suarez in California, the Amigos dancing, everything. Yeah, um, I, George touched on a lot of it. Uh, you know, great race in Road America. It's not the only um, thing I touched on. 
he's not wrong. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the NASCAR race. <laughs> the NASCAR race. Uh, I'm right there with George. Uh, Suarez deserved this race. Um, I'm happy to see that, you know, he finally got his win. Like you said, he had some close calls. Um, a great weekend in racing. Uh, I believe the Bristol race for the Outlaws uh, with the 410s and the sprint cars was also this weekend. No, they're at Knoxville. Where the, or Knoxville, yeah, sorry. Um, Which, I mean, just, just as big of a track. But. Yeah, either way. <laughs> um, in name, in name, not in size, obviously, but in yeah, name. In name. <laughs> they might be the same, close to the same size. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm they distracted. Be, yeah. They don't seem like it's, oh, you're good, nonetheless. Um, but, no, it, you know, it was a good weekend of racing all around. Um, couldn't really complain. None of my favorite drivers got a win, but, you know, it is what it is. Can't have that every weekend. So, um, it, it was, I, I didn't get to watch as much as I wanted to, but the little bit of I did, um, of the NASCAR race and IndyCar race were both exciting, both entertaining. So I, I, I'm still glad to see that, you know, halfway through the season or so, I don't know exactly, but um, that NASCAR is still right at halfway, in the right yeah. direction. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I knew it was somewhere. I, I know it's really there. close because they're, yeah. they're switching from Fox to NBC. And I know that's normally like right at the halfway there's point. 10 races oh, okay. left in the regular season. And then there's 10 playoff races. So there's right. 20. So it's, there's 36 total. Uh, it's, so it's two races before halfway. So. Okay, yeah. Or um, one. So, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, the Either All-Star way, race was the half point of the regular season. Okay. No, it wasn't. No, that wouldn't make There's 36 races. There's That's 20 left. Total. No, 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 no. 10 is the playoffs. I'm saying the halfway right. point of the regular season was the All-Star mm-hmm. race. No, it wasn't. Regular season. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. The regular season. What okay. I'm saying is correct. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, th- I, I kept hearing just halfway point of the season. I'm like, there- no, it's no, fucking no, no, no. not. It's in May. No, <laughs> the season right. doesn't end until November. Okay, but you're right. I, I apologize, Slade. Good, boy, good, George. Good. You don't get that out of him too often. So. No. <laughs> just the, the last thing I want to say about Nick's favorite drivers, uh, one of them is Rossi. I think he's only 70 point, 75 points back. 75 yeah, points behind, yeah. yep. Second, earlier, second I last week. I know, I know, I'm probably jinxing him, and I'm sorry in advance. Second last week, third this week, and a poll. I think we talked about he's he's going to Aaron McLaren next year, who might overall give him a better shot at a championship. But I mean, he's going to be fighting until the very end, and I think it's the IndyCar championship. We're going to talk about this more in another week. That's going to be so cool to to watch come down to the end. It's going to be very very close. Yeah, because he's he's seventy five behind, and he's seventh, I think. Yeah, which means there's five people in between him and the leader that are less than seventy five points away. Yeah. Um. So that'll get in. And also, uh, shout out to Joseph Newgarden. Um, they had a a prize this year for the first person to win on an oval, a road course, and a street course. And Joseph Newgarden did that and got a million dollars for charity, which was just cool to see. Um, yeah, million million for him, charity? million for his team, and million for his charity. Yeah, that I'm not sure. Wait, uh, uh, I did see it, and I can't think of the name. Um, right. but it's, it's hard to hate on Newgarden. He's just such a likable guy. He, he has a great personality. Um, so very cool to see him do that. And the weird thing is, is he's second in points right now somehow. So, uh, yeah, like yeah. I said, it's, it's going to be a great IndyCar, IndyCar season as it always oh, is. Sure. And NASCAR is still trending in the right direction. So, yeah. So great Slade, game. you tell us, tell us all about what you thought of Daniel's amigos and, and the weekend full of racing. Nick, do you have any more? No. <laughs> Fuck Nick. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> George doesn't even like me. I don't know how I was the best man at his wedding. <laughs> oh my God. Any, anyway. So the, the I, racing, it just it gets the blood yeah, boiling. It gets it blood boiling, yeah, it does. Ra- racing and football. <laughs> yeah. 
Can't wait for it's coming. It's coming. I'm like a better version of Maryland rather than crab cakes. <laughs> I'm racing in football. Crazy. I do. I do love a crab cake though. And hockey. Oh yeah. Oh, um, dude. Hockey's another level. I'll, 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 I'll become a Rangers fan. Punch somebody in the face for some hockey. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. I'm not a douchebag. Yeah, he wouldn't. He would never Fully. become a Rangers I'm not, fan. I'm not a full douchebag. I'm, I'm a douchebag. I'm not a full douchebag. That's up. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, um. So I, I don't watch the IndyCar other than the Indy 500. That was the only yeah. Indy race I've watched this season. That would, I would be the only Indy race I watched this season. No, no, you need, you definitely need to start watching some here and there, especially if you can watch NASCAR races consistently. You got to sit yeah. down and watch. Them. I don't even watch them though. I'm driving to work. I listen to it on the radio. Oh, yeah, that's well, fair. Because I was telling George before this. I bet, well, guess what? You can wow. listen to the fucking IndyCar on the radio. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet on the NASCAR. <laughs> During pit stops. Yeah. yeah they were pit, and I was like, I really wish you would have texted flag, me. Green so flag, I, sorry, that makes a big difference. Green yeah, flag great. pit stops. Yeah. I've been on three of the top five. They were the only five that didn't pit yet. I was like, I really wish you would have texted me so I could have told you, like, hey, don't bet on them. Yeah, right. So, anyway. But don't I text and drive, amazing. kids. Yeah. Don't do that. Okay, I'm sorry. Now amazing. go ahead. <laughs> I think it was amazing that Daniel Suarez was able to get the win this weekend. Yeah, I thought for sure that Chris Buescher was going to get the win based on how they were running at the end there. Um, I didn't even really think that Daniel Suarez stood a chance because going into the last, uh, it was the only only four cautions for the race. So the fourth caution of the race, which was in the third stage, um, Ross Chastain had the better car of the two track house teams. And uh, of two track house uh, cars, um, and uh, they had made the comment that Daniel Suarez's team said that the tenth turn was the turn that he needed to do better in. That that was the only turn he wasn't doing better than Ross Chastain in, and that was affecting his um, his run. Crazy to think that one turn is what defined him running in seventh place all day versus first. But it's it's just amazing to see how. Uh, set of green flag pit stops and just making an adjustment for that turn was able to to really turn things around for him. I thought it was amazing that I, I really want to be able to listen back to the uh, Deportes, uh, ESPN Deportes channel uh, of them announcing when when uh, he won and just because it's always crazy when they announce for like soccer games and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Um, or the NBA finals when when that one guy gets on there and they're like he talks in Spanish and they're like. I don't know. <laughs> and he says it in English, and they're like, oh, okay, now. But, uh, yeah, it, it was amazing to see him win. Um, I think it was his turn. He's had a tough go at it. I think NASCAR is also one of the only sports that it's mainly based on talent. Um, I think that at any point, a team could have given him a ride uh, to help with the diversity program, because that's how he came up. He came up driving for the diversity program, and uh, he he's... Really, like you guys said, I mean, he was at Joe Gibbs. They basically told him that unless he wants to go to Xfinity, his spot's gone. And then he went to um, Stuart Haas Racing and in an okay time there. But he wasn't given the correct equipment, like George had said. That was about the time that they were kind of uh, switching over to Ford because they were at Chevy before that. And so it was just a rough go for him. I mean, it's, it's really nice to see that his time is coming right now. He couldn't be racing for a better team. I think that this season can only be described by how Michael McDowell has described it in that he was used to just trying to race to place in the top 30. And now he's competing in the top five 
on a weekly basis, which is just crazy to think. I mean, we've seen it with Hendrick the most this season. Everything that they use is given to them or bought from the same manufacturer as everyone else. So NASCAR supplies all the pit road equipment. Uh, we saw on Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson that the lug nut gun is something that can malfunction. I mean, before teams were purchasing the best of the best, top of the market stuff, now they're using kind of middle market stuff and every team is given the same exact stuff. Um, anyone's can default at any point. Before you were seeing where maybe like Roush Fenway Racing, um, Front Row Motorsports, different teams like that would have had like middle of the road stuff that they could afford. And so they would have the pit road stuff. You would have never seen Joe Gibbs or Hendrick Motorsports having any problems on pit road when it came to the equipment. And this season has really shown that that was a big difference. Pit road has made a big difference. Because before this season, there was a lot of like controversy as to whether NASCAR should get rid of uh, televising the pit stops. Because there wasn't a lot of changes. Maybe one guy gained a couple spots because they took two tires instead of four or their team got them off a little quicker. It's made a big difference this year with everything being equalized. And so I think that that's the reason why people like Daniel Suarez, Michael McDowell, we've seen Chris Buescher, um, just a lot of guys have gotten to show that when it comes to actually being a good driver, they're able to showcase their skills with this new this new car. Um, aside from that, I don't think anything else really piqued my interest with NASCAR this weekend, aside from betting for guys that didn't even fucking pit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's difficult to see the pit road problems for a team like Hendrick Motorsports that never really had those problems. I mean, if I had to guess, just like their drivers, they're paying the best of the best to be on pit road. Um, obviously, anyone, it's human error, but when the machines are the, the problem, it's just difficult to watch. Um, did you guys have any comments on the pit road stuff this weekend, or do you? Well, do you just my biggest know? issue with the, the pit road stuff is a fucking four week suspension for the crew chief and the tire changer. For the tire for the tire it's, coming off. That's bullshit. Um, Dude. one the one lug wheel is the stupidest fucking thing ever. Um, it should go back to the five lugs. But two, it like we have seen it like multiple teams have had that thing on and it just strips itself off if, if you over tighten it and right if but, they don't put it on correctly at the start right. it's going to automatically strip it correct and if you would say hey you're suspended for a week i feel like it'd be a lot more four weeks is beyond outrageous to me yeah. and, and like I, I a think total of a hundred fifty thousand dollar fine yeah i think just I, the crew chief and the team that's just my biggest problem like it's it's cool to see like you said, like these top tier teams having problems. I mean, it sucks as a Kevin Harvick fan watching his crew struggle every goddamn week. But <laughs> um, like you think back, I just like I said, I think four weeks for anybody, top or bottom team, is just way too a, a, egregious and atrocious. Um, and that that needs to be reduced to at least a week, if not just no suspension and, and a hefty fine or whatever for the team, whatever. Um, that's just my biggest thing. You agree, Nick, or do you think differently? Uh, I mean, I agree. I, I don't really feel four weeks is ridiculous, um, especially considering, you know, we've had these issues the whole season. I don't know. Sounds like NASCAR having a really good season, and they're like, oh, maybe there's one way that we can piss people off real quick. And <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, to touch on what George said with Kevin Harvick, 
he was my dark horse for the race. The entire time I was listening, he was battling. He was the uh, largest mover from the start of the race. He had started near the back. Uh, he was fighting with uh, Ross Chastain leading up to the end of stage two for like 11th place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was in the top five after uh, the yellow flag at the midway point of the third stage. And then, like George said, he just had a shitty pit stop during that green flag pit stop. It just ran like four or five seconds long, and at a road course, you can't have that. Yeah, uh, but I mean, even then, watching him battle back to—I think he finished fourth—was um, still good to see. His season is definitely going in the right direction, the right trajectory. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he can, because I feel like it's—we're gonna have—we are heading towards sixteen different winners this year. We're already at twelve, I'm pretty sure. Um, so there's, you're, there's 10 races with yeah. four spots that aren't winners right now. Yeah. So you were, you were going to need a win to get into the playoffs. And even then, I mean, who, who knows what happens if we end up having 16 or 17 winners. And, and I, I'm not hundred percent sure what the criteria is there, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But um, I mean, like I said, his, his season's heading in the right direction. Uh, he is somebody who wants to win and not only needs to win, but you know, uh, you know, has the desire. We obviously know he has a talent. I, I think Sorkas as a whole has just struggled the last two years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of his season goes in the regular season, at least, and if he can get into the playoffs. Agreed. Um, moving into our next topic, more of a would you rather. Um, so this week, would you rather shoot a 90 on any course consistently or win one of any of the prestigious races of your choice? I'll start with George. What's your I made I made this oh. question specifically for George. I just want to yeah. put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. I think you had to change the golf score to get a yeah. little bit closer of a reaction. No. But... I um, did. I did. <laughs> so, my biggest insight, and I briefly discussed this before we hopped on here. L- listen, I would love to shoot 90 regularly. But for me, like, where I'm at in my life right now, that's something I feel like I can continue to work towards. Obviously, I still need to worry about breaking 100. But... Okay. Once, once I do that, I'm like, Hey, the next goal is, is, you know, 90. And that's something I know I can go work on. I can go get golf lessons. I, I can so on and so forth. I, I know I'm not going to race in my life. I would love to. And I mean, and, and there's like random call. Yeah. There's random like param series. Like I was telling you guys, like there's, there's a series that runs up and down the East coast that like you just show up with a team, you sign up and you don't have to have any experience and they will throw you in an endurance race. And it's, it's one, it, that was a wild concept for me to learn, but two, like, that'd be awesome to do. But like I, I told Slade, so you want a prestigious race, but let's, for me, I would want to win the Indy 500. Like for me, it'd be Indy 500, the 24 hours of Le Mans, the Monaco Grand Prix, and then the Daytona 500. Um, for one, the rest of your life, you're known as the winner of that race, like that prestigious race. Two, you get a shit ton of money from that. And three, you know, like if if I go break 90 regularly at my home golf course, nobody's going to give a shit. No, nobody cares. Um, you know, like so you said, oh, some of the locals are going to know. I'm like, I don't care. Millions of people will know my name if I go out and win that race. And I'm going to have millions of dollars, most likely. Um, so for me, I would take the race. Nick, what are your thoughts on the question? Yeah, um, it's funny because I wrote this up and I was like, yeah, this might get George a little bit. And then I was like, well, fuck, like, what would I choose? <laughs> um, it, it was honestly pretty tough for me. I, I honestly, just the competitor that I am, 
um, as someone who's gotten first place in tournaments, someone who's been pretty damn near dead last, and or if not dead last in tournaments. Um, Real quick, he's not talking about golf, by the way. No, not golf. Not golf. <laughs> sorry, not golf. I'd be lucky to break double this. No, just kidding. I'm not that terrible, but nonetheless, um, <laughs> for me, like, it. Could you imagine 180? I'd sell my clubs. I'd <laughs> super fast. Like, if I would have went out there the first time, shot like a 185, I'd be like, you know what? Just saying it. Uh, but nonetheless, um, you know, and as someone who grew up watching racing, uh, you know, the Daytona 500, I, I wasn't really aware of the Indy 500. I knew of it. I shouldn't say I wasn't aware, but uh, as far as the full spectacle of it until George got me in IndyCar. Um, and since I've watched that, like, that's one thing, um, you know, that I've learned to appreciate. But me personally, I, I would rather shoot 90 consistently because, like, if I'm under 90, sort of like George said, I can work towards under that. Um, but, like, I know I can drive fast, and I know that I can drive decent. I've never been, like, in an official, like, race environment or anything like that. But, like, I know how to move a fucking car. <laughs> um, like, so. Car with turning the key. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I see, I push. Well, no, I don't push the button now anymore, but I used to push the button. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, golf for me, the one thing that I think, keeps driving me to want to go golfing and whether it's the range or actually on a course i actually like i debated going to a range this weekend and i was like no if i want to if i go i'm going to a course i, I don't care because i go to a range and i hit decent and then i go to the course and i hit like shit so i'm like i, I don't even care I, i'm gonna go to the course until like I, I find a good rhythm and then i'll go to a range and you know work on some other stuff or whatever but the competitor in me wants to go out there and like every time i shoot like shit i'm like I wish I would do anything to be 30 strokes better. Um, so for me personally, I'd want to go out there and shoot 90, especially like because of the love for golf that I've gained recently and being out there and whether it's with the boys or whether it's just one other person and just chilling or whatever it is. Like I, I, I already love this game and like I drive Jade crazy because I ask her all the time, can I go golfing? Can I go golfing? Um, and usually we have plans, so I don't end up going golfing, but it's crazy how that works. Um, but nonetheless, like I, I would, it would be my favorite sport in the world if I could shoot under 90. So just the competitor in me. Here's, here's the last biggest thing I want to share with you too. If you break 90, what does it get you? Nothing. Like you're not going to, you're not going to end up on a tour or anything like that. You might win the Meadowbrook tournament. Yeah. But again, that gets you nothing. Even So Think in your head. You're gonna That's break 100 bucks in a free hot dog at the tour shop. But think about you break 90, okay, and you're doing it consistently. You're gonna be pissed that you can't like go and you're gonna try to get lower, and you might. You're gonna be pissed you can't get lower and be like, hey, I, I can go on the tour, or whatever. Then it's gonna just keep eating at you more. The competitive side of Dude, me, if I'm wants to 90, go win a fucking race. Okay, but listen, if I'm if breaking 90, I'm making at least 120k over in Saudi Arabia. So yeah. no, you're not. <laughs> He shot plus eight. I was gonna say he shot plus eight. Gotta get to eighty. That's eighty. Oh shit! You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm close though. I'm close. I have have a good weekend. I have a good weekend. I'm making 120k in Saudi. All right, so eighty then. I I debated on making it down to eighty, but then that got into PGA Tour range. So I was like, I I felt like that was kind of. That's why I originally said that you had to make the score lower to change George's mind or to make him think about it. Yes. If it was eighty. I'd be hard pressed to say no because I mean I don't know the the, the Q school requirements and corn fair, but at that point if if I'm breaking eighty I know that I can work harder and harder and harder to get down to 
touching this the low 70s. And then, hey, let, let me go take Q school and all this other stuff and, and try and qualify to get onto a tour to go make money to play golf. But breaking 90, I don't give a shit about breaking that. Like, see, I, feel, I, I want feel to. Like making it 80. Yeah. yeah. I would, I I would like love to go out there and break 90. Yeah. I would love to go out there and break 90. But say, if you're telling me I could go run the Indy 500, win it, and take home millions of dollars, I'm taking the fucking money, first of all. And like I said, the fame that comes with it. Whereas if I break 90, nobody's going to give a shit about that other than like you guys and like whatever, even like if you think about it, like if you enter like your local club's tournaments, most of the guys that win that are like shooting like low eighties or if without cheating, but like, yeah. So for me, like give me the money and the fame and I'm going to go win the Indy 500, the whatever. So Slade, what, what would you rather do? So I think we're making it 80 since 90 was too easy. I I think that the question realistically would have, would have been good at 85. I think that 80, like George said, makes you think that you actually have a chance at making it. Or um, I think 90 is like sort of like George had said, like, I mean, I won the Meadowbrook tournament. What the fuck does that get me? Um, I also, I also think that it, For me personally, I think it would be funny if, if this podcast continues and we can keep it going. If I can break 85, dude, I'm keeping the fucking Jaguar Sports Cup for The fuck you are. If you're breaking 85, I'm breaking 70. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying if if I personally, you chose now, you chose the Indy 500. Yeah. So you're still you're shooting, shooting the 110, shooting 110 right now. the rest of your life. So you have to drop, <laughs> you have to drop 25 strokes to get with what I consistent I'm saying yeah. hypothetically yeah right obviously. yeah no. you're better at golf in, in general but I'm saying a hypothetical question here than me yeah I'm saying but I'm saying again uh, uh, <laughs> there's a reason you have the fucking trophy until I take the fucking trophy in all fairness we were tied of that 50 percent of that went down to putting so and right. we all know you suck at putting so anyway this weekend I'm, I actually wasn't saying, bad but anyway, I'm just we'll saying, talk about it later. I, the only reason I would take the golf is just because yeah. it would be for bragging rights between the three of us. Because if if George is taking NASCAR and as long as I'm better than Nick at golf, I don't give a shit. Oh well, that ain't hard. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I don't even know how you use the clubs you gave to me before you got gave them to me on his knees. <laughs> yeah, it probably. That's how I'm about to start using them. So yeah, I, you're used I, to I, doing shit on your knees. Oh, I'm a pro on my knees. All right. So anyway, we, we all made our points. On to our top five of the week. Top five of the week was presented by Nick this week. Game day beverages. I'm gonna start with George. What's your thoughts? Uh, number five. Uh, I, I saw your top five already. I'm taking water. Uh, you you need to keep yourself hydrated. You need to. You can't just pound drink after drink after drink. You need to have some water in there. Break it up, especially if if you go to like either an event over the summer, baseball game, golf tournament, whatever it may be, or like an early season football game, it's going to be hot as hell. You need to have some water in you, you know, on top of all the alcohol. Um, Number four, I'm going with any seltzer. Uh, I'm not a big seltzer guy, but I will definitely drink them if if that's all I have. Um, Actually, I lied. Five seltzer, four water. Um, Number three, uh, I am going to go with just, a classic soda. Um, I mean, a lot of sporting events, uh, like we were talking earlier a couple weeks ago about Penn State. Penn State doesn't have beer. Um, they do in the club section. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm too fucking poor to afford that. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, I didn't know. I don't know how long they've had that, but yeah. I didn't know either until Erica's dad got us tickets this past weekend or this past year for the Illinois game, uh-huh. which we left in the third quarter before I went to eight fucking overtimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, thing. Yeah, but um, I mean, like I said, there are definitely venues out there that don't have beer or, or any liquor at all. Uh, so I would definitely take a, a good soda. Uh, number three, I'm gonna take uh, Tito's. Um, Tito's and vodka, or Tito's and vodka, Tito's and, and you know any Double mixer. Down. Yeah, no, right. Yes, sir. Uh, but Tito's and any mixer. Uh, I love uh, the Azalea drink at the Masters. That's vodka. Uh, people use gin. If you use gin for the Azalea, you're fucking disgusting. Um, but I love a good screwdriver. Uh, a transfusion. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had those. It's grape juice, vodka, and I think something. I forget what the third ingredient is, but those are delicious on the golf course. Um, but vodka is just a great versatile drink. I know a lot of people don't like it. I mean, personally, tequila or whiskey is my go-to, but I can't drink that shit if I'm going to be sitting at a sporting event all day or tailgating, whatever. So it has to be vodka. Uh, number one, obviously beer. Um, I mean, it's hard to beat that for, like I said, a tailgate or at any sporting event. Um, love me a good Michelob, uh, just because that's probably more readily available at those events. Um, but if I can bring my own, I bring in Bush Light, obviously, but that's my top five. Nick, what's your top five? Yeah, so uh, somewhat similar here. Uh, five, I went water, which I'm pretty sure we all did because it's a, you know, it's necessary. Especially a lot of sporting events you go to, they're hot. Got to get a little something. Listen, and, yeah. listen, I'm just proud that all of us can recognize that water deserves a place on this top. Five. Somewhere we might not. <laughs> Were drink you as thinking much of it, it as before I put it? Oh no, I was. I 100. I just didn't write myself down. I don't know if George was, but I was definitely. I was debating it, putting it higher than five. Because I am like, I'm constantly drinking some sort of liquid, and typically it's water because it's like the cheapest. Um, but nonetheless, uh, four, I have lemonade. I like going to a good ballpark, especially if you go like not necessarily to a, a pro sport, but like I go to uh, Jade's nephew's baseball games, and yeah, they have soda, but you know, certain places they got a lemonade, especially the fresh squeezed lemonade. Mm. Um, always busting. Uh, three, I have the soda. Um, I'm not a huge soda drinker, but as far like I get so tired of drinking water that I need something with flavor, and typically soda is the next best choice. Um, and it's always at any sporting event ever. Um, number two, I have Trulies only because I recently got put onto them, and uh, they're delicious, at least the ones that I've had. And um, you know, they go down pretty well. I'm not a big fan of uh, like any sort of liquor or anything like that. Um, when it comes to sporting events, typically because that shit goes down real easy for me and I'll be too drunk to watch the sporting event. And number one, uh, I have I have Bush Lattes because that's just about the only like beer that I'll drink. Um, I've started experimenting a little more recently, but I have gone through uh, the list, the full list of readily available uh, beers at this point in my life, and lattes are the only ones that I can typically still stand to drink. So, have you seen the, the, the shit going on with Keystone and Coors Light right now? I've seen the Keystone one. I don't, I don't know. If yeah, well, it's so like Coors Light owns Keystone, so they're basically they're honestly yeah. got the same beer. But yeah, like the, the video you saw with the Keystone is the same stuff going on with the Coors Light right now. That is absolutely disgusting. And I pray yeah. to God I never have to deal with that with Bush Light. Oh, right. And it's Slade's turn for the top five, and he runs away to go get more wings probably. Uh, but yeah, no, I saw that and I was like, oh, that's disgusting. And then today, just today, I saw a Coors Light video and I was like, that is, why would you ever, like, I used to drink Coors Light in college, but like, 
Oh yeah, I drank God. it when I was younger too. Yeah. Like a few years see, younger than college. Yeah, seeing that, like I would <laughs> seeing that, like I would never like even if I was a diehard Coors Light guy, I would never want to touch Coors Light again. Yeah. I mean, like, and so like the my first instinct when I seen that was like, well, I wonder if it's like corn syrup or some you know yeah. dumb shit like that that maybe like isn't mixed properly but either way like first of all just watching that video i could imagine that like slithering down my throat as i took a sip but, and- but imagine that like and i'm sure it's probably not pure corn like if say that is the case yeah. it, it probably still has a little bit of beer flavor to it but uh like yeah like you said yeah. the texture <laughs> and if it does taste like pure corn syrup that's disgusting in its own yeah. self um i'm good slated uh since you're, you're back now what's your top five <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about beverages. I was trying to go, and then you just, you were like, oh, whoa, 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 wait, course, like, he's done. I was like, oh, all right. So I originally put my top five together. Um, the, just in number five, out of necessity, I had put water. I think that it is definitely important when talking about game day beverages. I mean, if you're just talking about going and doing a fire pit with some buddies or, or a party or whatever the deal is, then water's probably not going to be one of my top five, but... <laughs> Might not if, make I'm top doing, 10. if I'm doing game day, especially if I have tickets to the game, like pre-gaming, like I'm thinking Penn State game or something like that, um, definitely need water if you're going to make it. Um, number four, mimosa. Uh, I love for game day to be able to wake up, put some champagne in a bottle, and then a little spritz of uh, some orange juice. And you got to pre-game the pre-game, and that's what I appreciate right. about you. Right, right, right. Usually, since we live so close to the stadium, We'll pregame the Uber. So we pregame with mimosas before getting the Uber to the stadium. Um, number three, uh, jello shots. I think that because I work at the hospital and stuff, we do the syringes with the uh, mm. dip on it. So you can just put the jello shot in there. But um, any sort of jello shot, my parents used to make them in like the half orange rind and put it in there. Um, wherever the deal is, I'd like those. And then uh, number two, this past year, I was going to the uh, the one busing company up at State College, and they have this thing where, like, they play this one song, like, every freaking, like, 30 minutes. And during that song, you have to take a shot. And it's either, like, rum shotta, um, peanut butter whiskey, some other whiskey, or, uh, like, a pickle shot or something like that. And I, I like the the whiskey shot the best. I mean, peanut butter whiskey, true ball, it's probably my favorite whiskey right now. I'll do fireball, but I kind of have to have already been drinking to do that just because <laughs> it fucking burns the shit out of my throat. If I touch um, fireball, I throw up, so that's off my list. I can touch it now, but oh, there was a point in my life where I couldn't even hear fireball. Mm. You, drink one handle, you drink one handle in, in a full night, and yeah. can't, you can't yeah. touch it for the rest of your life. Yeah, it is what it is. Right, but I mean, I figured as whiskeys when you're doing game day, screwball, fireball, two of the cheaper whiskeys. So, mm-hmm. um, number one, I had beer, Michelob also. Um, I like all kinds of different beers. I don't really have a preference in college. It's not drinking any light out of the necessity of price. Oh, didn't we all? Uh, <laughs> but I feel like yeah, I do love me a good Natterday, though, especially on the golf uh, course. The Natterdays when it's nice and hot outside. Ooh. I, I feel like now, like Natty Light's not even the cheapest option. Oh, no. I feel like Natty Light's the same price as Bush Light at this point. Um, different taste, but close to the price. Um, I realized as I got older that Natty Light wasn't the bottom of the barrel. 
right. it was just like the bottom of the tolerable barrel <laughs> right and so I, I think that like hams or old milwaukee old milwaukee something like that's probably cheaper but um Ugh. yeah Michelob's definitely speaking my of water <laughs> <laughs> yeah Michelob's definitely my go-to so that would be my top five for uh game day beverages solid top five you guys have anything else I, I didn't add? think of jello shots i thought about adding them after i seen them and i was like no because we had the whole debacle in the last yeah. top five that we started adding after we seen other people so i just well, kept it the same my, my problem with george jello just shots. george kept his out because when i asked him about his hockey he's like well i guess you'll fucking hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah um my, my problem with jello shots and doing the it's like if you make them right you don't taste the liquor and they go down way too fast and then oh, yeah you're you're done before you even get into the game so that's why like I said, like, I'll, I'll drink, like, a, a Tito's and soda or whatever. I can't, like, I, I know with that, I need to take my time and sip it. Like, the beer, I, I'll shotgun beers with you. I'll play beer pong, whatever we need to do to pregame. Yeah. But I if I start doing jello shots and they're made properly and you can't taste the vodka or, or yeah. whatever liquor you put in there, it's it's dangerous and you might not end up even making it to the game. So, And that's why I don't do the liquor because, like, we've seen at your wedding, like, I get a few – Especially whiskey and coke. Just, like, you had more than a few. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I get a few of them in me, and they just start going down. Yeah. And next thing you know, Taters hold me up. It's, yeah. You know who had a few? That fucking kid that went to the fire pit with us afterwards, George. With his oh girlfriend. yeah, yeah. It was a good that time guy. though. Yeah. He, a few of us was, had a few. Yeah. He was that's telling my dad the entire time about. <laughs> he really appreciated him talking to him about hunting. <laughs> That's God. great. That's uh, but that will do it for our episode this week. Uh, we had a great time bringing it to you. Uh, U.S. Opens this weekend, so we're going to have a lot more golf to talk about with you guys next week, uh, along with the NBA NHL Finals. Uh, best time of year, I can't complain. And then we got the drafts coming up in just a few short weeks. We're starting our college football previews. Um, so very excited to bring that, all that stuff to you guys. Uh, everybody have a great rest of your week. Uh, go enjoy the finals. Go enjoy some golf. Um, take your significant other out on a date. I don't know. Um, don't, don't roll your eyes at me, Slade. Uh, anyway, uh, that's took mine to anyway. IHOP this morning. For there the, you go. The last uh, was Eileen working there? Three affair. She was not. She yeah, was I mean, not. Was Eileen working at IHOP today? No, no she no. wasn't. Okay. <laughs> you weren't there, Slade. Don't tell me. Yeah. No, no, no. He had already answered your question. Oh, so I didn't hear him. I, did. I missed out on her. He didn't hear. Well. All right. Well, that's our episode. Do nothing. We... Golden State's win. Oh wow. But uh, all right. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah, see you, everybody.